This week our topic is out of 2 Kings chapter 23 and 2 Chronicles 34. Josiah, this is part 5, a series on Josiah, King Josiah. It is the second cleansing of Jerusalem and Judea. He does, and we see again, Josiah is way down the line from King David, several hundreds of years since, uh, maybe 400 or so years from King David, uh, long after the northern kingdom has been taken captive, overlapping with some prophets such as Jeremiah. A little quick review from 2 Kings 22, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. He reigned 31 years. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He did not turn aside to the right hand or the left. And we've been seeing in each one of these things how that was played out. What did it mean for him not to turn to the right hand and left? Um, what did it mean that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord? The Bible gives us a lot of evidence of that. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. So when he's 16, he begins to have his own experience with the Lord. In the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places and the images. So he's 20 years old. He begins to cleanse Jerusalem of the idols that have been brought in by Manasseh and his father. And in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the temple, he repaired the house of the Lord his God. So he does this purging in his, 20th year, uh, in his 12th year, and then in his 18th year, so like for six years of purging the land, and then he begins to repair the house of the Lord his God. Then Chronicles 34, verse 14, when they brought the money to the house of the Lord, they found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. When the king heard the words of this law, he tore his clothes. So he hadn't read the Torah. He hadn't read the scriptures, but he knew to purge the land, and he knew to seek the Lord with all his heart, with all his mind, with all his strength. And so his knowledge was coming from those around him. Maybe he had a godly mother. You know, his father was not godly. Uh, and maybe some of the prophets that were around at that time. Um, and so he's following what he's taught and what he knows is right, and he surrendered his heart to the Lord. And now, um, in the 18th year of his reign, so at 26 years old, he has the Bible for the first time, and it's being read to him, and it cuts his heart so much as he hears of what the Word of God says, the blessings, the curses, the various different scriptures of how a king should be and why not to have a king, and he sees the history what's taking place right there and the history that he knows of the kings and of Judah and what has happened to northern Israel and he's just cut to the heart, sees the Bible is so true, what God impressed Moses is so accurate and happening right before his eyes, he just rends his clothes. In the 18th year of his reign, Josiah kept the Passover, so he reinstates the Passover and reading the word of God. And then the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and read the words of the, Lord, of the book of the covenant. So he reads it himself, and then he enacts the Passover, and then he reads it when he gathers everybody in Jerusalem. He reads the word of the Lord to all the people. And not only does he invite everyone from Judah, he invites the remnant that are still left in Israel that haven't been taken captive to Assyria and dispersed. He invites them to come with him uh, to the Passover and to celebrate together with them, and reads the word of the Lord to him. So all of these things, that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, all these things, that he did not turn his right hand or the left. 
cleansing his home, cleansing his heart, surrendering to the Lord, seeking the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, with all his strength, purging the land, reading the word of God, observing the Passover and as its observance points to the Messiah, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, moving us, teaching us of how God delivered us out of Egypt, how he delivers us from bondage, how he delivers us from sin, and how he leads us in his everlasting way and leads us towards heaven. And then sharing the word of God with others. The king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord, to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart, with all his soul, to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. So he's reading it to them. He publicly testifies, I am going to follow the Lord. Makes a public declaration. And then invites the people to do so likewise. And they also commit to following the Lord. The king commanded the Kohanim and the doorkeepers to bring out of the temple. So all that was review. Now verse 20, chapter 2 Kings 23, verse 4, where we pick up the story. The king commanded the Kohanim and the doorkeepers to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the articles that were made for Baal, for Asherah, and for all the host of heaven. And he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. And it's interesting that he carries them to Bethel. He burns them all, does this all in Jerusalem, and he brings them north to Bethel, which was in northern Israel, which was the captive, uh, where... where um, Jeroboam had built a, a, a golden calf so that the people wouldn't come down to Jerusalem and worship the Lord. And we'll get into Bethel a little more next week and what happens when he goes up there to Bethel. But we see here initiates a second cleansing, a second purging of the land. So he went through with the knowledge that he had from just what was told to him and what God was impressing his mind. Now with the word of God, He goes through and purges it even more and cleanses even more and even more thoroughly. And as he's heard, um, what the prophets have said is going to happen to Jerusalem. And so even with even more earnestness, he goes forward to cleanse the land. Then he removed the idolatrous Kohanim whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense on the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places all around Jerusalem, and those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun, to the moon, to the constellations, and to all the hosts of heaven. He's not only removing the idols now, he's removing the leaders, the false leaders, the Kohanim that should be teaching the word of God, but who have been teaching the people to worship idols. He tore down the ritual booths of the perverted persons that were in the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings, for the wooden image. So the, perverted, the booths of the perverted people, uh, possibly the, the, the temple prostitutes, that would use this area. He tore it down. He brought all the Kohanim from the cities of Judah and defiled the high places where the Kohanim had burned incense, from Gibeah to Beersheba. And he broke down the high places at the gates, which were at the entrance of the gate of Josiah, the governor of the city, which were, to, which were to the left of the city gate. Nevertheless, the Kohanim of 
the high places, did not come to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, but they ate unleavened bread among their brethren. This could be referring to another Passover. Maybe a year passes by, we come to another Passover, and he invites them to come. They don't come, but they eat the unleavened bread um, where they're at. And so, kind of a trying to do both. Trying to be a little of, of what God's saying and a little of what these others are saying. Trying to have it both ways, trying to play it safe. Maybe Baal is God, maybe the Lord is God. We'll follow a little both. We'll do one one day, we'll do another another day. Kind of like the person who put one foot in a bucket of ice water and another bucket, the other foot in a bucket of, uh, of, of, of hot water, thinking somehow that would make them feel balanced and equal and comfortable. <laughs> a little of both. And somehow I'll feel comfortable with that. They're eating the unleavened bread, but they're not coming down to Jerusalem. They're staying up at the high places where the idols were, or at least at one time had been. He defiled Toph, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no man might make his son or his daughter pass through the fire to Molech. Even at this point, they're giving their children, putting them on this idol, and sacrificing them to the idol. This is right outside Jerusalem, in the valley. Then he removed the horses that the kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun at the entrance of the house of the Lord, by the chamber of Nathan Melach, the officer who was in the court, and he burned the chariots of the sun with fire. Six years of cleansing, and there's still more to do, and he goes through and just, with a zeal, cleansing the land. The altars that were on the roof, the upper chambers of Ahaz, which the kings of Judah had made, and the altars which Manasseh had made in the two courts of the house of the Lord, the king broke down and pulverized there and threw their dust into the brook Kidron. The king defiled the high places that were east of Jerusalem on the south of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon had built for Asherah, the abomination of the Sidonians, for Chemesh, the abomination of the Moabites, and for the Milcham, the abomination of the people of Ammon. So this is on Mount of Olives. Just on the opposite side of the Kidron Valley from the Temple Mount. Solomon had many wives from many nations of various religions. And to appease them, he let them build their idols right across the valley from the Temple in plain view, invisible view, people coming up to the temple, worshiping and seeing these statues and these idols. And they remained there all these years. 300 and something years. And he goes and he tears them down. He broke in pieces the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden image and filled their places with the bones of men, defiling them. 
Moreover, Josiah put away those who consulted mediums and spirits, the household gods and idols, all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, that he might perform the words of the law which were written in the book that Helkiah found in the house of the Lord. So after reading the word of the Lord, he has an, he's energized to go forth and to do a much more thorough cleansing, maybe more so than anyone before had done. We know there were so many good kings, Hezekiah and many others. He goes through and does a radical purging and cleansing of the land. Now before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor after him did any arise like So he purged the land once, and then he goes through and purges it again. And like I say, we'll see more next week what he does up in Israel, in Bethel, very prophetic, very powerful. Maybe there's something in our life. Maybe we've given our hearts to the Lord. Maybe we've gone through a cleansing. Maybe we've gone through a purging, like he did when he was 16 years old, dedicated himself to the Lord, sought the Lord, sought out the Lord, found the Lord, gave his heart to the Lord, was following the Lord to the best of his knowledge, to the best of his understanding, to what he had been taught, to what he had been learning. Sincerely following the Lord. Removed things out of his life that he understood were wrong, that the Holy Spirit impressed him were wrong. Surrendered them, gave them up, turned from them by God's power, accepted God's forgiveness through the sacrificial system representing the Messiah to come. As Josiah did, maybe you've done, maybe you've accepted the Messiah and have had your life cleansed, areas of your life, surrendered your life to the Lord, given it to him, and God has worked a reformation, a change. But has it stopped there? Or has it continued to grow? Has it continued to deepen? But Josiah then had the Torah. The Torah was open to him. To many people in this land, the Torah, the the books of Moses, the whole scriptures are not open to them. Well, they may have them. They're in hotels. They're in other. They're in, in, in their on their bookshelves. They're in their drawers. But for many people in this country, in many parts of the world, they're only reading maybe one third of the whole entire Bible, if that much. Maybe just 25% of the whole entire Bible. And then there are others who, who only read the Torah. They only read the first five books of the Bible. They're missing out on so much more. Many other scriptures that God inspired to be written and for us to have. 
Has your mind been opened? Has your heart been opened to the whole Word of God? And as God has revealed more to you, have you gone through a second cleansing? Have you gone through a second purging of your heart and your soul? Being willing to follow the Lord as He's revealed more from His Word. Has your experience with the Lord deepened? Or has it just plateaued? We should be constantly growing in our walk with the Lord. And the closer we walk with the Lord, the more he reveals to us, the more he shows us where we fall short and that he, other areas and other things that he can take from us. Other sins that, he didn't, that we didn't realize before. Other areas of our life where we didn't realize we were walking with the Lord. Other things that we've continued in our character, in our heart. Areas that we hadn't forgiven, areas that we're still envious, areas that we're still greedy about, other areas that we're, that we're still pride, proud about, that we didn't realize before. Maybe areas, pet peeves that we thought were okay. We thought we had a right to be upset about a certain topic or a certain thing. God impressed our hearts. Are we continuing in our walk with the Lord? Are we continuing to surrender to Him? And are we willing to follow the whole Word of God? Have we gone through a second revival in our lives? It's caused us to change. It's caused us to then want to share it with others and have things removed out of our lives and out of our homes and a change to take place. I've seen that happen in many people's lives. In my own life and others' lives. Some, they've accepted God and have surrendered their life to God. And then they've come, maybe years later, to an understanding of the Messiah and who the Messiah is. And as they embrace that and accept him into their lives, radical changes take place. Powerful reformation, a second reformation takes place. For other people, sometimes it works the other way. They've known the Messiah, they've learned about the Messiah, but they didn't know about the law of God. And when they read the scriptures, the book that was hidden away, is brought forth to them begin to keep the Sabbath, begin to change how they eat and live. Radical changes take place. The freezer gets purged. Things change in their lives. Brothers, they've grown walking with the Lord. Then they have their own experience. A renewed revival takes place in their life. Yeshua, when he was walking on this earth, the beginning of his ministry, he goes into the temple of the Lord. And he sees there the money changers and, and animals being sold at high prices for the sacrifice and, and abuses taking place among the people who come from far, afar, couldn't bring their own sacrifice, and so they brought money and the, the prices they're charging. And 
The way it's being conducted, turns over the the tables, sets the animals free, and chases the people out of the temple. About three years later, all the tables are back, all the animals are back, not only outside the temple, but inside. And he does a second purging, a second turning over the tables, a second cleansing of the temple. In our lives, we need to go through a second cleansing, allowing God to take us deeper in our experience with him. It's so easy just to get so commonplace. It's so easy just to get so self-satisfied with our walk. We're just coasting along, feeling okay. And we look at the world around us, and it's getting so much worse, drastically worse, so quickly, unbelievably fast. It's like we're bungee jumping off a cliff with no rubber band. I mean, we're just in free fall, jumping out of a plane with no parachute. We're just going down fast. It's so easy to just look at the rest of the world and say, wow, I'm doing pretty good. I'm not that crazy. I'm not that radical. I'm not accepting that. But we're not to compare ourselves with the rest of the world. We compare ourselves with the Lord, our God, the King of the universe. He is our example. He is our standard. He is whom, by God's grace, we grow into the fullness of. Just be self-satisfied, saying, well, hey, you know, we all sin, and oh, we're all going to sin anyway. Well, buy that lie. God wants us to grow from grace to grace, growing up into a perfect man that he created us to be, and ever-growing. Perfect, ever, perfect is not a, an end. Perfect in the Lord is a continual growing, a continual grow in perfection in God's perfection, a continual growing experience, like a tree. You can have a perfect pine tree that's this big, with no disease, nice green needles, nice strong roots, in good soil, and it grows. And it can remain perfect at every stage of its growth yet continually growing. doesn't have pine cones when it's this big, but it grows. And as it grows, it starts being, having pine cones and continue to branch out and continue to be perfect at every stage. So perfection is a continual growing in the Lord. We are perfect in him, we're perfected by him, and continually growing in him. And as that pine tree grows, it drops off branches that are no longer needed. Self-pruning tree. And there's three reasons in our lives that we need to drop off as we continue to grow in the Lord. Because not only is the path to heaven straight and narrow, it gets narrower 
the closer we get to heaven. And while we might have come in with a whole trainload of stuff, as we get closer to heaven, we got to start dropping the stuff off and drop the whole cart off till the point where we're just walking barefoot, sideways, hugging the wall with our eyes focused and we're following the blood-stained path that was led before us. And Yeshua went naked to Calvary. Holding on to nothing, letting go of it all. For a moment when we pray together, let's allow God to show us, give him permission to reveal to us what's the next area in our lives that he wants to purge out of us. What's the next area that he wants us to let go of? What's the next area for us to grow? But if you think you're okay, then we're far from the kingdom of God. There's always more that God wants to do in our lives, growing us in him, filling us more with his gifts, more with his talents, more with his wonderful knowledge and understanding and experience with the Lord. And the more he wants to fill us with, and the more the junk that has to go. There's no room for both. Having our feet in two different buckets. Having our lives in two different worlds. Following the Lord and Him alone. With all our heart. Nevertheless, with this great revival, the Lord did not turn from the fierceness of His great wrath with which His anger was aroused against Judah because of all the provocations with which Manasseh had provoked his grandfather Manasseh, 50-something years as king, brought in such evilness. After a wonderful king, Hezekiah of many years, brought in such wickedness, the people never recovered. And even the great reformation that Josiah does, the people never recover fully from it because of Manasseh. And even though Manasseh, at the end of his life, gives his heart to the Lord, and we'll see him in heaven, because of the path that he paved for the people, many of the people and most of the people never follow Manasseh's example of repentance and never fully come on board with Josiah's reformation. So even as God sets us on fire, even as God does that second revival in our life, which is so necessary, in the third and the fourth and the fifth and the hundredth, and he sends us forth with power as light to lighten the world with his glory. This world is going down. And what we're seeing is just evidence of how close we are to the end. And how important it is for us to be right with the Lord. And to warn as many as we can to pull them out of the fire before it's too late for them. Because no matter what happens in our individual lives, and no matter how many other people we tell, and no matter how many we reach, this world is still on a collision course with the judgment of God. Just as happened to Judah here.
The Lord said, I also removed Judah from my sight as I had removed Israel, and I will cast off this city, Jerusalem, which I have chosen, and the house with which I have said, my name shall be there. And the love of God for this city and for his people did not stop the destruction that was going to come. Less than 60 years from this time in Josiah's life. Much less. Maybe 50, 40 something years. I don't think we have that much longer on this earth. I pray not. Let's pray together. Let's make sure our lives are right and then may God send us forth Do what we can to purge this land and purge this world of the sin that it has fallen into by being living witnesses. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, <clears throat> work in our lives. May the reading of your word cause our hearts to be rent and torn asunder. May it bring conviction to us and show us where we fall short. Show us of the garbage that we're still holding on to. Lord, cleanse us. Lord, we give you permission, Holy Spirit, to come upon us and to convict us of sin and righteousness and the judgment to come. And to lead us away from our wicked ways. And lead us in the path everlasting. Lord, work a second revival in our lives. Cause a second reformation to take place. Reform us even more. Deepen our walk with you. Transform our lives into your image. Cleanse our hearts. Cleanse our minds. Cleanse our lives. Make room for more and more of the Holy Spirit to fill us. If you would take it all away, carry it upon yourself, and destroy it. Turn over the money changers in our heart. Turn over our greed and our selfishness and our pride and our anger and our resentment and our envy, our self-righteousness. Cleanse our hearts. Cleanse our lives. Work in us and through us. In Yeshua's holy name. Amen.